Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, Stephen. It's Maddie. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since I've engaged with the podcast, but I'm still here, still listening, still reading everyone's posts in the Facebook group. Uh, things have been pretty busy for me over the last couple of months. So I'm ashamed to say that I've only just now listened to the Christmas episode of SJR with Brit Shots. But I do have to say that it was an absolute delight and I'm not sure I ever listened to an episode of a podcast so intently. I immediately wanted to talk about it even though I'm at work right now. I'm like hiding out in a public washroom to record this. Yeah. So I'm a lifelong toy enthusiast and a huge, huge fan of this Mattel toy line. And it is true that I usually have like at least three dinosaurs with me at all times and they're not always just the minifigs. And basically I just wanted to leave this voice note to say some toy related thank yous. So thank you Stephen obviously for the podcast and being a link and an outlet for toy lovers like myself um, and for sharing your enthusiasm for this line because it's absolutely contagious. Um, thank you so much to Brit Shots for giving a little behind the scenes look at the process from creation to distribution to reception. Um, it was no joke, like thrilling to listen to for a dork like me. And you've absolutely sparked a lot of excitement and anticipation in this grown adult anyway, for um, hunting down new dinos over the next couple of years. I actually just slid into her DMs to tell her I loved the episode. Um, I do have a ridiculous amount of the toys at this point, but it has been a bit of a challenge living on the east coast of Canada, just in regards to distribution, especially since we don't have Target here, and I'm pretty much limited to sparse Walmart offerings, but I was fortunate enough to travel through five states this past August, so bless my friend who has no interest in Jurassic Park or toys whatsoever for just indulging me and allowing us to stop at pretty much every single target along the way. I was worried I'd have to pay like overweight charges on my suitcase on my way back home because it was legit stuffed to the brim with dinosaurs. Um, yeah, we don't have the legacy line here in Canada, but like I'm not even mad because I was able to get a lot of the humans and dinos when I was in the US, although I still need to get my grubby mitts on an Ian Malcolm. Um, but importantly, I need to give a shout out to the lovely Tom Fishenden, aka Jurassic Tom, who went out of his way to hook me and other people up with the highly coveted and controversial Extreme Chompin' Spinosaurus, which I think at one point seemed like the holy grail of the legacy line. <laughs> As a side note, I gotta say, um, I'm a big fan of Tom's toy photo photography, excuse me. Um, it's way up there in my favorite Instagram content, and anyone who isn't following him really needs to get on that. 
Um, oh, and thank you again, Stephen, for sending me my favorite croc boy, the Sukumimus, and also to sweet, sweet angel Renee Israels, who mailed me a Zia. So yeah, that's about it. Um, I'm eternally grateful for this community, the people and the content and the connections and the toys. It brings me so much joy, and I can't wait to continue the journey with you all. Bye! Hey everyone, welcome to See Jurassic Right, the Minnesota edition, kicking off 2019. Okay, anyway, you get it. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much, Maddie, for your voicemail. So great to hear from you. And my, I mean, my, my first thought is just being so thankful as well for those kind of connections, how uh, everybody, you know, we're going crisscrossing, crossing, we're crisscross across the country, meeting up, finding toys, dinosaurs, our love of Jurassic Park. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was such a sweet voicemail. Um, I hope everyone had an amazing holiday. I wanted to say that as well, too, filled with dinosaur cheer. And again, Maddie's uh, uh, voicemail is really just getting me excited about 2019 to just be filled with all kinds of dinosaur stuff. Um, and it's even funny because as I'm recording this right now um, at Target, um, a lot of the Jurassic toys are 20% off. But it's just funny because at this point now, every time I go and I, you know, I love just looking, um, I love just looking at everything. But the reality is I pretty much like have everything that I want and need. So I'm just sort of like, is there any doubles or, you know, anything I can get Um in addition to or something like that. But let me know if you guys are are jumping in on this 20% off sale. Um, I'm like, am I going to stop by any targets on the way home? Probably. Uh, yeah, welcome 2019. Um, it, I was like, is this the first uh, Sea Jurassic Ride of 2019? And it's not because uh, over the holidays, I put out a bunch of fun episodes. I hope everyone, including the holiday special with Brit Shots uh, from Mattel, um, I hope everyone had a great time listening to that. I hope you guys learned a lot, uh, uh, potentially learned a lot about the making of the toys and stuff like that. Are you know the Mattel toys and stuff? That for me was so fascinating to learn all the just kind of the the human stories about what it takes to kind of put something like that together. Um, so thank you again, Britt, for jumping on and chatting with me about that. And if you haven't listened to it yet, go back. I think just just because it came out around Christmas doesn't mean it still uh, isn't a, an episode that you can kind of listen to anytime. I think we had a lot of fun telling stories about uh, dinosaur toys. So um, check that out. And then also I put out um, as part of the uh, the cinematic attractions uh, episodes, that sort of movie series where we just kind of casually watch movies and have fun. Um, and, you know, we tied things over till season two of Sea uh, Jurassic, right? If, you know, the official season two. Uh, I watched Land Before Time with Brenna White, a.k.a. Bonnie Puns, a.k.a. Beeksels. I think I did that out of order, but it's fine. And uh, Prehysteria with Luce Tomlin Brenner, um, LTB comedy. Uh, I hope you had fun listening to that, this more casual format, just kind of chatting about the movies and stuff like that. I really want to, um, even as... Uh, things perk up and get back into gear for for you know season two this year uh, i definitely want to keep doing more casual stuff like that as a way to just keep this uh jurassic life going okay anyway you get it um <laughs> but yeah let me know if there's any movies or shows you want me to watch any dinosaur stuff uh any dinosaur related things i mean it doesn't have to be dinosaurs explicitly uh, you know, the one example I'm thinking of is Congo because it is related to um, Michael Crichton and Frank Marshall and all that stuff. So that kind of stuff can count as well, too. Uh, what's coming up next? Um, the, I want to do a Q&A episode. So keep those questions coming if you want to send in more. Just, you know, like like anything, you could send them email or you can comment on posts or things like that. But, um, yeah, keep those coming. I just I'm just trying to figure out what my 2019 is going to look like. Uh especially because I'm moving. So it's really exciting. I'm moving back out on my own um, to Los Feliz uh, here in Los Angeles. I'm super excited to have my own place and I'm going to have a little recording set up and everything like that. So um, 
I think that's going to be a really, I think this is going to be the biggest motivating factor in getting season two finally up and running beyond just the planning stages, because now I'm going to be able to have a little bit more freedom in when I'm recording and, and, uh, this neighborhood's the place where I'm moving is really quiet. So I, I'll be able to record more consistently and I won't have so many kind of barriers and stuff like that. So, um, those things are coming along. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited about that. And, uh, obviously I'm really excited later, um, in this mini sode mini sode in, <laughs> in air quotations, uh, to talk about all your favorite dinosaurs that you shared with me. Uh, but I wanted to throw out next month's question out here first, just so you can kind of ruminate and think about it. So, you know, maybe by the end of the episode, you're like, I already got the answer. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get on next month's. Uh, and that is, <laughs> to celebrate Scalentine's Day. That doesn't work. Roarentine's Day. Anyway, you get it. Uh, you're all my favorite friend of sources, uh, but no, but seriously, who are your favorite couples or couple in the dry? Who is your favorite couple in the Jurassic franchise, human or dino and why? So you can call 323-688-6969 or email cjurassicright at gmail.com. Again, I really like this format of, uh, just kind of one sentence thing. I feel like hopefully that makes things easier for everybody. Um, to chime in. I really love hearing all your thoughts about it, but yeah, we're going to get to the dinosaurs a little bit later. Favorite dinosaurs a little bit later, but yeah. Uh, you know, who is your favorite couple in the Jurassic franchise? Um, and you know, again, human or dino and why? Ooh, but first, before I forget, I wanted to thank everyone again for participating in the SJR gift exchange. It was so amazing to see over the course of December, everyone's generosity, um, and all the amazing dinosaur and just cool animal related gifts being spread around. Uh, thank you again to Renee, who is my secret Santa. Um, I love everything you've got me. And yeah, it's just, it's so cool. You guys, everyone, you're all so awesome. I can't, I can't, can't, I feel so lucky. Uh, yeah. So now on to the news. Uh, I think it was right after the last mini-sode, uh, Chris Pugh and Jack DeLamere from Jurassic Outpost dropped a fucking awesome interview with Colin Trevorrow, the director of Jurassic World and the writer of, and Jurassic World 3, and the writer for all the new Jurassics. Um, and it was a great little interview. Uh, you know, again, we're so far out from really any kind of concrete Jurassic World 3 news, but I think it was... It's a really great little interview to sort of, um, you know, feel out the tone, feel out the kind of where the next couple of years are going to look at. And I think more of also kind of um, looking back at Fallen Kingdom and stuff like that. Some really great stuff in there about why, uh, you know, bringing Emily Carmichael on board for Jurassic World 3, who's going to be one of the writers of Jurassic World 3, um, other than Colin Trevorrow. Um and then as well, too, in picking the dinosaurs for the different movies. And I thought it was interesting that Colin Trevorrow wanted to use Carnotaurus and Baryonyx in Jurassic World. But essentially, he was like, I don't want to show them yet. So or if like if they can't have a, you know, a set piece or something like that, then, you know, just wait to show them, which I think is a really interesting concept, because it's like I never thought about it in that way. Uh, the idea that you can kind of. <laughs> there's almost these like layers of, you know, your main character dinos, then you're kind of mid-level and then you're kind of like background dinos, um, which I actually think is an approach that, excuse me, I think is going to work more with like, I, th I think that works well for these Jurassic movies because not every dinosaur can kind of be the star. And I also appreciate that over the franchise, some dinosaurs kind of can take a backseat. It's like not every dinosaur has that's been in the previous movies necessarily has to be in the new ones, nor do they have to have a main role. I mean, I think the Velociraptor's role in The Lost World is like a really good example of um, them kind of taking a backseat, you know, as far as like uh, the focus, you know, the Velociraptors were kind of had this, you know, these two sections kind of near the middle. And then that was pretty much it. But I think that they serve that really well. So I hope that that's the kind of thing that can carry forward that we can sure maybe see all the dinosaurs from Fallen Kingdom in Jurassic World 3. But maybe a few of them, uh, you know, either are just kind of in some background shots or, or kind of, you know, they're I don't know. It's because I still want to see new dinosaurs and maybe see some dinosaurs return from previous movies. So I think that's. I definitely think uh, there's more to juggle there. And so it was nice to hear Colin talk about that. 
Um, and then, of course, I mean, the biggest news, the kind of like the big headpiece or the headpiece, the biggest kind of headliney part of this interview is basically being like, <laughs> quote, I just have no idea what would motivate dinosaurs to terrorize a city. They can't organize. I mean, you know, organizing is very important. So uh, if anybody's worried about that, um, you know, don't worry about it, I guess. And then also for Jurassic Park fans talking about the visual style that cinematographer Oscar Fuera bought, brought to Fallen Kingdom, um, that Colin isn't really going to try and recreate that for Jurassic World 3, which makes sense. Uh, Jurassic World 3 is not going to be a haunted house movie. It's not going to be this kind of claustrophobic adventure uh, situation. It's going to be much more world uh, expanding, I think. So that makes sense that they wouldn't try to recreate that, even though, I mean, Fall Kingdom really, other than the original Jurassic Park, is the most beautiful Jurassic Park movie. Um, and then, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff about uh, interacting with fans and then some stuff about his role in sort of dipping his toe in, you know, all the different kind of Jurassic Universe stuff. So I checked that out again. It's over at Jurassic Outpost. So uh, it was really awesome. Um, and so the next bit of news is uh, <laughs> Sue is getting a new home. So obviously, uh, last minisode, uh, we talked about my trip and the Sea Jurassic Ride meetup at the Field Museum. Um, and I got a chance to take a peek, a sneak peek at uh, uh, Sue's new home. But on, in like, I think it was December 20th, um, Sue got a full new makeover. Um, I'm looking at this article from Atlas Obscura that I'll include, but I feel like a lot of you fo already follow Sue on Twitter, which you should. Um, but this Atlas Obscura article uh, kind of focuses also just on. Uh, the sort of social media aspect of Sue. And then what's really cool is just the idea that Sue's new exhibit is really focusing on Sue as an individual that they, uh, that they are a very specific type of, you know, this is a specific T-Rex, an individual T-Rex. And so about their history, um, you know, from their discovery and onwards. So I'll include an article to that uh, Atlas Obscura article. So you can check it out. Um, breezing along. Um, oh, uh, as far as people to follow this month and to check out, we're still in the theme of toys. Uh, I would suggest that you checked out Collect, Collect Jurassic. Uh, so Collect Jurassic, uh, is a, it's basically just a new toy news site. And so really just kind of keeping up to date on what's going on with Mattel. And I'm, and I'm assuming eventually other, uh, any other Jurassic related toy stuff. Uh, but basically following the, you know, the Dino Rivals line that's coming out now, as it's starting to come out, uh, any deals, any specials, uh, they also focus on kind of community stuff like Ted brothers or, uh, you know, Victoria from Victoria's Cantina, just kind of like showing off what, you know, what the community is doing as well too. So it's just a sharp looking site. Their YouTube channel looks great unboxing videos and showing off, um, you know, the new toys and stuff like that. So definitely follow collect Jurassic. If you're a fan of the toys. Um, and then what else? Oh, oh um, so uh, Derek from uh, who's Jurassic time or Jurassic memoirs on Twitter. Uh, he has been, I've mentioned him before in a mini. So great guy. I met him at the 20 or no, at the, the closing of the Jurassic Park ride, but his website, Jurassic time really is a great archival resource, uh, for Jurassic Park fans. And so he recently, um, kind of extrapolated and pulled out all the, uh, Richard Attenborough, uh, audio from the trespasser game. And so for, if you don't know what trespasser was, it was a, um, it was a like a feels like it's a precursor to kind of all of our modern kind of shooting, like exploring video games uh, where you landed. It was like after the Lost World and this character landed on uh, Isla Sorna and then it was just kind of exploring Isla Sorna. And um, a big part of the uh, a big part of the game was these audio diary voiceovers from Richard Attenborough. Uh, which were a, a, they're incredibly beautiful and it just adds so much lore and you know trespassers probably is definitely not canon anymore as far as as far as most people are concerned but i just i don't know it's just you listen to the, all this beautiful rich voiceover from richard attenborough and you just is there a place for this in jurassic world 3 or other ancillary media could they repurpose this to fit uh you know just kind of in ways that they've found 
uh, old footage from old Star Wars movies and repurpose them for the new movies, whether it's like the pilots from A New Hope into Rogue One or uh, just stuff like that. It, it it's I just wonder if there's something you could do there. So um, yeah, if you go to Jurassic uh, Time, I believe it's Jurassic Time dot uh, Jurassic Time dot Trescom dot org, but I'll include a link into the uh, in the notes. Uh, but yeah, oh, and the other big thing is that the main character uh, in the game is voiced by Mini Driver. So very interesting. Uh, I've never played it personally, although I think I did have it growing up. But or, well, yeah, I think I did play it, but I don't remember. I don't I don't know. Who knows? I don't remember because uh, I'm like, did I even have a powerful enough computer to play something like that? I don't think I did. Uh, maybe I had it, but I never, you know, you just like get the bot. I'm like, I just want the game. Uh, but yeah, uh, and right now, actually, speaking of uh, video games, and this will help transfer transfer. This is this is my bridge to the next topic. Um, but I just noticed that Clayton Fioriti, uh, who you know, his YouTube channel is amazing. He's been on Jurassic right before uh, we met in London. He is doing some new playthroughs. Uh, his uh or, you know, let's plays or whatever. He's been doing let's plays for trespasser, which I'm like, Oh man, I'm so excited to check all those out. Uh, and then that reminds me that, you know, um, again, connections, all these things. Um, I wanted to mention that Tom Fishenden, uh, is doing a Jurassic world evolution series, uh, on the Jurassic park podcast, YouTube channel. I believe the first one's launching tomorrow or when this episode comes out, uh, today I, oh, I guess tomorrow for me today for you um on january 18th and so uh basically he is in jurassic world evolution uh is the sort of um dino park tycoon uh for this new gen of consoles and so he's going to he's basically going to have a let's play series um about that so if you want to check that out i'm really excited to check it out because Again, I, I don't have really a setup to play Jurassic World Evolution right now. So I think I'm just going to live vicariously through Tom. And I'm really excited to do that. Um, and also, I wanted to mention um, that he is getting in the works uh, a UK meetup um, for Jurassic fans. And uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for that. If you're a see Jurassic Right listener and you're in the UK and want to meet up with other Jurassic fans, Tom's putting that together. I... Um, I don't know if anything official has been announced yet or anything like that, but I'm sure you can keep an eye if you follow him on Twitter at uh, Tom Jurassic. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I got all these great uh, Jurassic video game Let's Plays to watch. It's going to be awesome. Um, and then I guess the last bit of news I wanted to get into is uh, looks like the Orlando theme park is also getting a revamp. Um, as you know, <laughs> the Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios is officially closed and uh yeah it's been a sad state i went to universal studios as i mentioned last mini said with my mom for christmas and um yeah it was pretty much all closed and i think and i believe now even the store is closed maybe not the restaurant but i know the store the the store is at least closed and so uh but yeah so it looks like the uh, Orlando uh, Jurassic theme park is also getting an overhaul and they're probably going to get a roller coaster and all this great stuff. Um, and again, it's going to get an all an official Jurassic world rebrand. Um, also there's, um, so I'm looking at this Jurassic outpost article from Chris, Chris P again. Um, and apparently universal studios, Be Beijing is like recreating all of Jurassic world. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, there's so much space for stuff like that. Um, but this looks like it's going to be a roller coaster and then just a lot of this sort of rebranding for Jurassic World, which I think is what officially is going to be a big part of what's happening here in L.A. in Hollywood. So, um, yeah, I'll include a link to all these articles, all these new pieces, everything like that. And so the last bit of news is some dinosaur related real world news. Here we go. We're going back in time. Boom. Uh, Science Daily, which I used to uh read every day and now i don't anymore but maybe i will um science daily is just like a great collection it's like if you just want to search news about antarctica you just want to search about paleontology uh you know gorillas like you can get really specific about the types of science news that you follow um and so what i thought was one of the most interesting pieces that came out kind of near the end of the year was uh, this discovery about feathers. And so the headline is new discovery push pushes origin of feathers back by 70 million years. Um, 
And the summary is an international team of paleontologists has discovered that flying reptiles, pterosaurs, actually had four kinds of feathers and that these are shared with dinosaurs pushing back the origin of feathers by some 70 million years. Um, so, yeah, led by the University of Bristol. Uh, so, you know, flying pterosaurs, petrosaurs, pterosaurs. Um, uh, they have been around, you know, these flying reptiles have been around for 230 to 66 million years. Um, they had, they were, you know, I knew that they were kind of furry and stuff like that, but, um, it was published, this study published in Nature Ecology and Evolution had a team from Nanjing, Bristol, Cork, Beijing, Dublin, and Hong Kong. Uh, that's like a, just this like Ocean's Eleven squad. We got to figure this thing out about feathers. Um, and so the different types of feathers include simple filaments or hairs, bundles of filaments, filaments with a tuft halfway down and down feathers. And so, um, these four types are also known from two major groups of dinosaurs, the ornithischians, which are the plant eaters and theropods, which include the ancestors of birds. And so I'll include a link to the whole article, but um it's just funny to me because i think i've always you know it's that kind of thing where it's like really the you know when you're growing up it's like oh wait you know pterosaurs they're like flying dinosaurs those are the ones that evolved into birds and it's like no those were flying reptiles um they have nothing to do with the group that um of their well they're not dinosaurs and then they're not the dinosaurs that turn into birds but I think as we get older, we learn about those concepts of like convergent evolution where you just notice time and time again in the fossil record. Can you tell I've been listening to Common Descent a lot lately? Um, such a great podcast. Uh, you can, it's that thing where it's like, if this thing is useful, you will, you as a species will maybe gain it back if it's helpful to you. And so it has nothing to do with, um, you know, that it meant, means that you're related. You know, it's like insects and bats aren't related, but they still, you know, but they both know how to fly. So uh, I think it's really interesting. It's a neat little article. Again, I totally recommend listening to Science Daily. Um, listening. Well, listen to Common Descent and uh, read Science Daily. It's great. You can, you can um, subscribe to it in your email too. So then you actually just kind of get a little sweet little thing in your inbox that kind of is like, here's all the dinosaur news of the day. And you can even do, um, excuse me, you can do like multiple types of news. So it could be like, again, for, for me, dinosaurs, Antarctica, stuff like that. So, um, really cool. And now, uh, I wanted to talk about the big sort of personal life Jurassic part of my, uh, life since we last spoke um, was my trip to Hawaii. All right, so you're imagining yourself on the beach, in the jungle, underwater. Okay, anyway, so uh, for the holiday season, I usually go on vacation with my dad, um, my sister, uh, my dad's girlfriend, Shannon, and her kids. And so this uh, year, we convinced my dad to take us to Hawaii. And basically, it was like, all right, what island, blah, 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 whatever. Like, we, it was like, we're going to Oahu, we're going to Honolulu. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to Oahu, then I need to go to Kualoa Ranch. And so that was, that was the thing I was like, Ugh, if I do any one thing on this trip, I want to go see Kualoa Ranch, which... Um, for those who don't know, it was the site of where the, uh, Gallimimus, uh, attack was in the original Jurassic Park. So, um, Kauai was where a lot of the sort of, uh, a lot of big parts of Jurassic Park were filmed. Uh, but then after the hurricane, they had to sort of rejigger a few scenes and move things around and stuff. And so one of them was finding out a new place to shoot, um, the uh the gallimimus uh scene uh in jurassic park uh so they filmed it at kualoa ranch was it which is a working ranch and everything like that uh but it now <laughs> in the years since it has become a huge place uh for filming and a lot of jurassic world and jurassic world fallen kingdom were filmed there so uh our day basically was we basically got the sort of like primo personal tour guide so there was only like about I don't know, eight of us or something like that. It was a pretty small group, um, but it's a bustling place. Like if you go, it's, you know, they have zipline tours and 
horseback tours and ATV tours and stuff. And I mean, what's really striking about Kualoa is these hillsides, these like valley walls that just when you see Jurassic World and you see Jurassic Park um, and in Fallen Kingdom as well, it's these very iconic ridges um, that just scream Jurassic Park. It's so unreal. It's uh, it's it's amazing. So um, basically, I mean, just through the tour, uh, this woman, Lisa, was our tour guide. She's super funny, had a huge crush on the rock. It was hilarious. Uh, well, that was her running joke that she liked to do. And it was very funny. Um, <laughs> so we, and so they basically, they have it labeled out. So it's like, you go to this place where it was shot and then you kind of see like, um, uh, you know, it, it's just like, it's not all the sets and stuff remains, but they still kind of walk you through what it was and stuff like that. So the first place was, essentially the site where claire uh it's the helipad and so it's so funny because i remember in my head at the time of like super like a uh, real uh real tour hawaii you know twitter like um behind the set photos of that helipad where uh you know hoskins is and Res- rexy um where lauren lapkus you know uh you know, and Miss Ronnie and Claire and, you know, so it's, you know, kind of a lot of stuff. I was like, wow, a lot of stuff actually takes place on that helipad. Um, and then they actually use the, even though the scenery gets replaced with Jurassic World, you know, and all the, you know, the main street and everything like that. What uh, Lisa mentioned is that they, um, that they use the water though as kind of the where the lagoon is, even though that lagoon is actually just a few feet deep. But it was kind of like as a reference. So it was really cool to step out on there because even though the helipad is no longer there, there's still like a like a piece of it that kind of um where it kind of was connected to the hillside that still remains. Um and then I mean the biggest part, really the big kind of the uh the first like kind of whoa moment is going to the Indominus paddock because not only is it, you know, two walls that make up the Indominus paddock, but the control room and the stairs leading up to it. And, you know, you get to go up against the glass and look out and everything. I mean, it just feels like it's like the real deal. You're in there and you're like, wow, this is, you know, everything is all very like, you know, like wood. Well, that's not wood, but anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, it was just super cool to be in there and just to kind of like really soak in the Jurassic world vibes uh, it was really awesome and just kind of learning, you know, in the, the, the scratches on the wall being there and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, it was just, was really cool. Then we, as we were driving along, seeing some stuff from like Kong Skull Island or whatever, um, <laughs> uh, you get to, she pointed off to where Hamada was killed and where that scene was filmed, just kind of in the jungle, right. Kind of in that same area. Um, and then we stopped by basically where she pointed out where the Mosasaur Lagoon was down by there is where they just right next to that water uh, feature little bay or whatever it is. Um, uh, right there is where even though Chris Pratt's, um, you know, Owen Grady's bungalow is, was no longer there. Um, but it's where they filmed that scene as well as Claire's entrance, because actually parts of that scene were from two different locations. Um, but yeah, that was cool too. Very peaceful, very 51st dates, which was also fil- filmed a little bit at Kualoa Ranch as well. Um, and then we went to the fricking the Valley where the Gallimimus, uh, not only the Gallimimus scene from the original Jurassic park, but from Jurassic world as well. Um, but I mean, really, I don't know. I mean, it was so interesting because, you know, it's just funny to think that this place has so many locations from the newer Jurassic Park movies. So it's almost like I wasn't prepared for uh, the the log. And, you know, there's a Jurassic Park sign there to kind of signify it. And it's yeah, it definitely feels like (laughs) it's like my dad kept saying later, he's like, wait, that was the 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 log or whatever. And I was like, I'm like 99 percent sure or if it was just moved or, you know, but um our tour guide was kind of pointing out things about it that were really interesting just about looking at the frames because they would show the like chunks of the movie and then we would like see where it was so you can kind of match it up and stuff but i mean it just felt like very hollowed ground to be there in that space you know to crouch behind the log and everything like that it was definitely 
one of the biggest highlights for me as a Jurassic Park fan in the last couple of years, kind of starting this podcast and kind of just finding ways to get back into it and kind of things that I didn't expect. Cause that's one of those things where I'm just like, Oh yeah. I mean, obviously like in 2006 or 2007, I went to Kauai and got to see where the gates were and some of the other locations, you know, but that wasn't really like when I was into Jurassic park, like I am now, or when I was a kid, like now it was just like, Whoa, you know, I had to just take a moment kind of every, it was one of those things where it's like, obviously I'm getting, you know, taking Rexy with me and trying to get a photo of the little mini fig. Um, but also just when everyone went back to the van, I just was like, okay, I just need a moment to myself here, you know, and to really kind of feel how special this place was. So that was really awesome. Uh, a few other locations, uh, that we saw, I didn't really get that many pictures of some of this stuff because we were just kind of driving by it other than the log, which was the highlight. But um, they also had the bunker entrance from Fallen Kingdom because the rest the inside the bunker stuff is filmed in Pinewood. Uh, but the entrance um, is sitting on the side of the hill, um, as well as when um, when Claire and uh, oh, my God, why am I Franklin uh, where Claire and Franklin, you know, when they poof, they escape the oh, I just brushed the mic. Uh, where Claire and uh, Franklin uh, go up the hatch and ex escape the baryonics, um, and they start to run um, from uh, Mount the Mount Cybo explosion. So you see bits of that stuff there. Um, and then the other sort of big uh, set piece was the Gyrosphere Valley uh, ride entrance. Um, it looks a little bit different now just because it's turned into sort of like a platform for weddings. Because, I mean, it is just looking out on this valley out to the ocean. I mean, it's just the most unreal uh, thing ever. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if I'm just thinking to myself now, I'm like, I wonder if that contributes to why Jurassic, the Jurassic Park movies are just so awe-inspiring because they really do kind of take advantage of how beautiful, I mean, especially Hawaii. I mean, yeah, Oahu, just, whoa. It, it was just, you just would stand there and you'd be like, every everywhere you turn, it's gorgeous. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting. Uh, one of the facts that I learned and I, I don't remember, I thought I wrote it down right, but I'm still not sure like in my head if I heard it right, but that, or, or how, what it actually means where they were saying that like 75% of what you see on screen in Jurassic world is Kualoa ranch, but only 5% of what you see on screen in fallen kingdom is in Kualoa ranch. And I'm like, that kind of feels correct because so much of Jurassic world is spent like the Indominus paddock and those jungles and stuff. But then, you know, so much of Jurassic world is the control room. So I don't know. I don't know about that fact, or maybe I just misheard, you know, it or whatever, but I mean. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue Nile.com. You can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It really is when you go to Kula Ranch, like obviously this little bit from Jurassic Park is so important, but I think if you really appreciate the newer movies, I mean, it's just so cool and so funny how, you know, they could use these places and they just turn up, you know, they just turn around and then it's a full other set in a full other location and it all just, it feels all of a piece, you know, um, but not necessarily like the same place. It's just, you're all over the Island. Um, they also had the Kong Skull Island Boneyard, which I guess is pretty cool. Um, and then there was some stuff. They had a movie, movie museum inside a bunker, a World War II bunker. Um, and they had the, uh, oh, well, there was like the vehicle in the Gallimimus Valley that they show in the original Jurassic World. Uh, so they have that vehicle there as well, too. 
Um, but yeah, so that was Kulo Ranch. I mean, I highly recommend it. Uh, I feel very lucky that I got to do the sort of, you know, a more intimate tour. Um, and I got to, you know, it was like a two, three hour tour. It was pretty awesome. Um, but I'm sure you can look on their website and you can kind of do all different kinds of tours and stuff, but highly, highly recommend. I think, uh, as far as if you just like to see how movie sets and stuff are, I mean, it kind of felt like an, the flip side of the Jurassic universal stuff, you know, it just kind of felt like the kind of two sides of the same coin sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I feel very, like, I feel very lucky because, you know, Jurassic World 3 will, you know, is essentially not on an island anymore. So is anything going to be filmed in Hawaii anymore as it as it relates to Jurassic? I don't know. So I feel like um, I feel like Kuloa Ranch. I'm glad that they kept a lot of this stuff because, who you know, who knows if they'll be back if, you know, if there'll be any sort of jungly thing. I mean, that'd be I mean, I, I'm totally open to the idea of them filming jungle stuff in Jurassic World 3 that isn't on Nublar or Sorna or whatever. But I also wonder if they would do that because people would be like, well, that's just, that just looks like Island Nublar. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know how movie magic works. No, I do. But, (laughs) but yeah, so I felt like who knows if this, I feel like it's one of those things, you know, like the Jurassic Park rides closing at Universal and here in LA and the Universal um, looks like it's, you know, happening again and or happening in Florida as well. Could this be my last chance to see this? So I feel like if you are going to get out to Hawaii or thinking about it, I would definitely do it um, if you can, because, yeah, who knows how much longer it's going to be around. So, um, yeah, it was really awesome. Um, I also got to go to a place called Manoa Falls, which I guess they film some movie stuff there, like Lost and things like that. Uh, but for me, there was just this restaurant building that was like right next to it that just looked like the eighties, low budget Jurassic park. I kind of like a motel six version. Uh, I took a photo of it, not to besmirch the building. I just mean the, the like aesthetic of it, uh, was really cool. Um, and then the other, the other kind of big, uh, thing from my Christmas trip, um, was, uh, so basically just cause you know, we're all traveling and carrying stuff in our suitcases. We don't want to bring a bunch of gifts, uh, on our flight and to fill our bags and stuff. So we just kind of did a white elephant gift. Uh, but I brought the blue costume, the inflatable blue costume, which actually universal sent me. So thank you universal. Um, I brought it with me as a gift for, cause it was just like a last minute, uh, thing. Uh, I brought it with me and gave it to um, one of um, Shannon's daughters. And it just ended up becoming the hit of the Christmas party. I posted videos online. I'm sure you've seen it. But just wearing this giant blue costume and just playing the Jurassic Park music. And then uh, my friend Jesse, my sister's uh, childhood best friend. Yeah, so (laughs) Jesse also wore the costume as well. And, uh, you know, we did some dance moves and it was fun. So that was kind of my little Jurassic Christmas trip. Again, Kulo Ranch was really amazing. And yeah, I feel it's funny that I would never think to when I think of vacations, I guess I don't I didn't I don't know. I most of the time I, I don't travel unless it's for work. So for me, getting a chance to do this was uh, a dream come true. So, uh, yeah, it was super exciting. And I definitely want to go back. All right. To close out this mini-sode, again, thank you, Maddie, for your voicemail. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check out the uh, Cinematic Attractions episodes with Brenna and Luce. Check out the Brit Shots Christmas episode if you haven't yet. Um, Let me know if you like more off-the-cuff stuff like that, what other cinematic, like what other creature features you want me to listen to. Um, And I'm super excited to close out this episode. Um, Instead of emails and voicemails this time, Um, Although I do have one more voicemail to play. Um, I'm going to end this episode with reading out what are your favorite dinosaurs and why, which was uh, this past month's question. And I really like this idea, this format of getting kind of these one sentence things and reading them off. But let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. Um, But I wanted to, again, state next month's question to get your brain working, um, which is who's your favorite couple in the Jurassic franchise, human or dino? Uh, and why. So call 323-688-6969 or email cjurassicright at gmail.com. So I'm looking forward to hearing your answers. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited to read these dinos. I got over 50 responses. So um, yeah, let's do it. Uh, uh, But first, before we do that, to actually, to kick it off, uh, to kick it off, I wanted to 
uh, play one by uh, who we've mentioned a couple times in this episode already, uh, Tom Fishenden. So uh, I'm going to play that for you right now, and then we will go into everyone's favorite dinosaur and why. My favorite dinosaur is the Dracorex, because in Primeval, a medieval village confused it for a dinosaur, and I really like the idea of dinosaur myths and legends. And we're off. Abigail says her favorite are the Velociraptors because they're such clever girls. <laughs> but in general, this is cheating, Abigail, but I'll allow it. And so, oh, that's what she says. So in Jurassic Park, her favorite are the Velociraptors because they're such clever girls. But in general, the Diplodocus, because I saw Dippy at the Natural History Museum in London and it sparked my love of dinosaurs. Andrew says I love Ankylosaurs, but a bit more off the beaten track favorite. I love the... Leolanisora, mainly because of walking with dinosaurs. All right, Andrew, you're cheating as well. Uh, Brenda Harara says her last name is important because my favorite dinosaur is Hararasaurus because my last name is Harara, and it was the coolest thing ever to find out that a dino that has my name. Uh, Trixie says Stegosaurus because I feel like I could ride between its plates, and it would be super cool. I agree. Clayton Fioridi chimed in and he said my favorite is the tyrannosaurus because it was such a brutally powerful animal it was big it was smart and it could bite anybody's head off if it wanted to that's two sentences clayton but i'll allow it uh glenna says the brachiosaurus because they're such gentle and precious herbivores but they're also enormous and will crush you with their big footsies if necessary oof brutal that's like the jurassic park um the lost world video game you know the sauropods come down um Jessica says Deinonychus because when I was little I knew a song about them and I would sing it over and over. Oh, I want to know what that song is. Uh, Kristen says Brachiosaurus since I was a child. Uh, once I found out they didn't eat meat, I was so fascinated. How could something so big not massacre everything in sight? I still love them, although I do have an affinity for all marine dinosaurs. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, Case Castellan. Sorry. Castellan. Um. Uh, Compsognathus has been my fave since I was a kiddo because I too am small, elegant, and likely swallow my prey whole. Perfect. Nick, aka Ya Boy Jurassic, uh, <laughs> Asterix begins writing dissertation on the merits of Tyrannosaurus Rex. All right, we gotta we gotta buckle up for this one. Uh, all right, but straight up, T Rex is my favorite dinosaur because of just how odd and wonderful an animal it is. My second favorite would have to be Spinosaurus. Second favorite. Uh, I've come around to loving this weird-ass dinosaur over time because it's just so fascinating. Uh, Bethany says, T-Rex, I know Simpsons perceived as the go-to, but how awesome are they? I think Nick would agree. Um, my love sparked obviously from JP, watching it as a small three-year-old in awe at the pure power of her and that she's the anti-hero at the end of the film too, saving the gang from the Lost Raptors. It was also my most beloved toy from my childhood, although I do love so many other dinosaurs too. Uh, Zelma uh, she says Utah Raptor because they're slightly larger than people-sized dragon monsters that were smart, coordinated, killer-clawed, and probably the most cat-like of all dinosaurs. Uh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's very true. Uh, if I can cheat and get a second favorite, it'd be Parasaurolophus because headgear is badass and I would love to trumpet through my face. 100%. Um, and then she said, hashtag cheater, hashtag face trumpet, hashtag killer claws with a K. Um, I'll allow it, Selma. Um, Lauren says Stegosaurus because as a kid I learned that they had two brains, one for the head and one for the tail. I didn't know, I don't know now if that's true, but I also like learning that their plates might have been able to color shift. Ooh, I don't, I didn't, I haven't heard about the color shifting. And I believe that when they refer to a second brain, it's like a bundle of nerves, question mark. I feel like I should ask Faith this. She'd probably know. Um, Kelly says Triceratops since I was a four year old playing on a carpet building her her house is out of Legos. Ooh. Um, my older, oh, uh, yeah, my older brother would come in with his toy Godzilla and smash the houses as big brothers do. Oh, I guess she was building a house for that Triceratops. That's so sweet. Um, I, well, until her brother came and kicked it over. Um, I suffered that daily until my mother showed us a book at the library with a drawing of a Triceratops with a one foot, with one foot on a dead T-Rex. I knew then that no dinosaurs would ever defeat my precious Triceratops. I feel glee every time I read an article referencing that a T-Rex wasn't a hunter or a Triceratops Lego house destroyer, but a scavenger. Ooh. So Renee says, again, uh, we all declare, um, I think, I I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but uh, as Maddie said in her voicemail, uh, December 21st is Renee Day um, because she sent so many people Zia figures who had trouble finding Zia, so... 
Again, December 21st is going to be officially Renee Day, so I can't wait to celebrate next or, you know, this coming December. Um, but Renee says, what comes to your favorite dinosaurs? She says, trying to make decisions gives me extreme anxiety and I can't pick one favorite of anything in life, especially dinosaurs because they are also fucking cool and unique. So my cheating answer and favorite dinosaurs, whatever dinosaur I'm looking at, learning about, playing with at that moment in time, which I think is great advice. As a child, it was long necks because of Littlefoot, and ever since Fallen Kingdom, I've had a love affair with Stiggy. See, I just can't make decisions. The lost raptor clawed in my gut, I would say. For all... Oh, instead of a gun, you know, if something points a gun to your chest, of... <laughs> if Velociraptor clawed in my gut, I really, I want to start saying that. I would say Parasaurolophus because they're majestic AF, musically inclined, and I have a giant tattoo of one. So if I said anything else, I feel like it's obligatory. It's a good point. Um... Emily says Brontosaurus because I had an orange plastic Brontosaurus toy as a kid and it was my very favorite. I even chewed a little of the tail off. Uh, little me even chewed the tail off. I was devastated when they decided Brontosaurus was just a young Apatosaurus. I felt much the same when Pluto was stripped of its planetary status. And then I was elated when scientists decided that Brontosaurus was in fact a valid genus, valid genus after all. So I guess my favorite dino is a genus rather than a species, but I can't get that orange plastic toy out of my head. And Pluto is a planet again and all is right with the world. It's just names. It's just names and stuff. Your love is the purest genus of all. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Uh, Chris Bermonte, you know him. You'll love him. He says, I'm going to have to go with Alan Grant on this one and pick the Triceratops. I was going to say Alan Grant is my favorite dinosaur. Uh, Alan Grant on this one and pick the Triceratops is my favorite dinosaur because not only are they super magnificent, but uh, their Vegisaurus diet would keep me off their menu. All right, and so now those are people who posted on Facebook, but now we're getting into people who posted on Twitter. Um, so Orange Joe, aka Cylon, um, who was a guest in some of the earlier season uh, season one episodes. Um, Jess, she says, I like Brachiosaurus because they're shaped like a friend. Aw. And um, Dustin, um, I, I feel like I'm never going to pronounce your name right, Dustin Growick, Growick um, you know, the, the Dustin Growick, uh, you know, he he responded and said, Deinonychus, the original backer illustration, stopped me in my tracks as a kid. It was probably the genesis for my lifelong love and fascination with dinosaurs. Um, Sarah, Sarah Julia, Sarah and Julia Iyer, who you know from the Percast, um, says Triceratops because my name is Sarah. That's fair. Um, Colette at Colette Frida said Velociraptor because my mom called me Flossy Raptor when I was a kid. She was trying to make it sound cute. Um, and uh, Faith, uh, the Faithosaurus, uh, Stegosaurus, as I mentioned earlier. Shorty, that is chill. Unless you piss it off, then you get thagomized, which I relate to on a spiritual level, which I think is the name for the tail or the, the thagomizer. It's a whole thing. Look it up. Um, Maddie, uh, you know, from, from the beginning of the episode, um, at Maddie OK, said, Sucomimus, I'm still in the thick of my snappy jaw croc boy phase, and she's a solid aesthetic midpoint between Baryonyx and Spinosaurus, and I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Samantha, Samantha Joe, 28, you know her from Jurassic Outpost, says, I refuse to pick a favorite child, and that's it. Fair enough. Uh, Abby at Abby underscore Finnegan said at see the T-Rex, but not all T-Rex, just Sue. Great choice. Um, Houston, we have a problem at call me uh, M-E-D-R underscore C says, do our favorites really matter when we have this one pole dancing? I might go with this one and make a favorite side A and side B. And so she's referring to because in the original um, in the original GIF or like when I posted asking for favorite dinosaurs, I used the like the same as the um, blue blow up blue uh, there's that blow up T-Rex like the kind of iconic blow up dinosaur that's in so many gifts and videos and stuff um, somebody was pole dancing in it so uh, that's a great favorite choice as well um, at Steve Rogers um, <laughs> at officially Lenny 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 L-E-A-N-I-E she, uh, they say ankylosaurus because I love its pancake club tail um, and then um, at Esidiso says Velociraptor because of reasons. Uh, the Gravy Cinematic Universe at Cameron Lavelle 2 says Gigant- Gigantosaurus for its incredible size and potential pack hunting history. Ooh. Um, at Just There for Books. Couldn't couldn't agree more with that, uh, that uh, name, Twitter handle. 
uh, Ophiraptor because it's misnamed when they first discovered the dino. It was found near a nest of eggs and assumed that it died trying to steal the eggs from another dinosaur. Turns out those eggs were its own, which is a crazy fact that I was obsessed with as a kid. And then I guess maybe <laughs> if anything, my Pluto is the is that Ophiraptor is not an egg stealer. So um, at Mermaid Hales, uh they say Sinosauropteryx because it looks like a Cody or a lemur and I want to hug it. Um, and then at Brewster Hat, she just, <laughs> this person, Amy, Amy Brewster, she just sent me a photo that uh, is of a dinosaur serving dish where it looks like a kind of a more classic like 50s interpretation of like a theropod. And then it has a plate around its neck and then it just has a bunch of Oreos. So that's their favorite dinosaur. Um, at Kylie Danger, y'all. She says, my favorite is Therizinosaurus because they look like a dodo that got tired of taking shit from everyone. And yeah, I agree. Therizinosaurus is such an interesting, weird-looking dinosaur. Um, Daniela underscore Alberto says, Brontosaurus because of that one time Sarah said, three horns don't play with long necks. Uh, Sarah from Land Before Time. Um, at uh, Emily at Lang underscore E-C-L, E-C-L uh, Parasaurolophus because of the cool thing on their head. Very cool thing on their head. Um, at Grape Marbles said Brachiosaurus, thick but has attitude, good natured, kind, evolution baby, big herbivore, would 100% bring one to a party, probably has the best form, can use head as a periscope while swimming, net game on point. 100%. Uh, Tony Kaufman, 21, said Velociraptor because speedy and scary. Uh, Mom underscore is underscore pawn X says baby raptor because of the great noises. Um, Meg Haynes, uh, Stegosaur, Stegosaurus because I love a dramatic fashion moment. 100%. Um, and then giraffe, giraffe snacks, giraffe snacks. Sorry, I just that made me laugh. Um, pterodactyl. Look, I said you could include... I think I did say early on. I mean, I've read some, some marine reptiles and some flying reptiles. So, yeah. Pterodactyl, because my mom said I used to screech like one when I was a baby. Um, uh, Brandy at CPCK Kisses. Long necks for their ability to reach tree stars. Um, that's also great. Um, and then... Uh, oh, yeah. That's what it was. P- at Pizza Monster said this one in reference to the dinosaur on the stripper pole. Uh, Samara said at Samara Sema Bican, um, Seralphus because of Ducky from the Land Before Time. A lot of Ducky love. Um, at McFortune Cookie said Ankylosaurus, super rad armor and a huge hammer for a tail that is so cool it looks fictional. Um, and then Allison says Illustralison. Yeah, Illustralison. Whoa, that's such a cool sound uh allosaurus because my name is allison and as a kid i used to think i was named after them that is amazing i mean besides you know hararosaurus i love the idea that like a first name you're like oh that's related to like oh, i'm not named after grand grandpa or grandma like i'm, I'm named after this <laughs> fearsome predator i love that um beastrail says brontosaurus because of its crazy discovery history yes very true uh, that's very cool. Um, at Alicia, uh, Alicia Lynn PNW, uh, says Stegosaurus because cute little potato with spikes. I love that description. Um, and then also Rimlight at Stegosaurus because spikes. So cute. So, a lot of Stegosaurus love. I love it. Um, and then the Hamburglar at Mintzina uh, says Pterodactyl because we both reached the same scream octave. Um, at Alec. Alex Xavier Taiga says Parasaurolophus because of the terrifying yet beautiful sounds they might have made. And then my favorite dinosaur is the Shunosaurus because it's a gentle giant, aka a sauropod with a club tail that ain't afraid to defend itself with it. Um, Yeah, Shunosaurus is all-time favorite dinosaur. And then, again, thank you. I'm out of breath. Thank you, everyone, so much for submitting your favorite dinosaurs. That was so fun to read through. Um, I hope you enjoyed hearing all the answers. Hopefully, not hopefully, but, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody out there who's like, you know, doing the stats, being like, which dinosaur got mentioned the most. I feel like either Stegosaurus, um, uh, Stegosaurus, uh, Velociraptor, T-Rex, and then maybe if you combined all the long necks into one, maybe they would, uh, you know, all the, they would all... Uh, be one category but um, 
I wanted to end with an email from Dusty, who you've heard from a few times now on the podcast, um, and her son as well, um, her son Azra. So she sent me an email with her uh, with a little write-up about her favorite dinosaur, um, because I think in the comments in the Facebook group, it was, you know, narrowing it down and stuff. Obviously, there were a lot of cheaters. Cheetos devil prosper other than when uh, you're sending me lists and stuff because of course I'm going to read it all because I love you all uh, so she sent me an email that said my favorite dinosaur hi Steven so I finally narrowed down my favorite dinosaur that is if I had to just choose one I've been inundated these last four years with so many books and facts about dinosaurs that this month's question is challenging my love of dinosaurs started with dragons I was obsessed as a kid and it blew my mind later as a teen when someone explained to me that dinosaur that dragons were dinosaurs so my favorite dinosaur is Dracorex full circle obviously from uh, Tom's uh, voicemail or Dragon King because of my love for dragons and also because of the beautiful horn ornamentation. Um, I will say too that Stigai Moloch is one of my favorite dinosaurs. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times of how delighted I was that Fallen Kingdom has kind of made Stigai Moloch, aka Stiggy, kind of like a mainstream dinosaur now. It really is so exciting to just see uh, Stigai Moloch just being a thing that's just thrown around. I love it. Um, and uh, Draco Rex is like another same Pachycephalosaurus, Stegamolic, Dracorex, all kind of in the same family. Um, and then Dusty says, as a side note, we've been looking up Dracorex, Dracoraptor, and Dracopelto over the last couple months because our son, Azra, has also started to show a love of dragons. And what better way to feed his interest than researching dinosaurs named for dragons? And we have not yet introduced him to the Chinese dinosaurs that contain the word dragon, but we will eventually because there are so many. Hope your holidays were amazing. Thank you for all your hard work. Dusty. Uh, thanks so much, Dusty, and thank you for that lovely email. I love hearing all these updates about um, you know, Azra's growing love of dinosaurs as well, too. I'm sure all of us can relate to that idea and just those kind of discoveries that we make as a kid. Um, you know, as people mentioned from Brontosaurus's history and things like that, it's just um, the great thing about loving dinosaurs is that there's always more to learn. So thank you everyone for submitting. Thank you everyone. That was such a joy to read. I hope I can do uh, this again next month with, you know, with the next question. Um, if you wanted to, if you didn't get a chance to send your dinosaur in, just send it in now. I'll read it next month. So uh, that was so much fun. I am so excited to spend 2019 with all of you. Lots of big things coming soon. So um, I just really appreciate all the time. Uh, and all the stuff we get to share, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. So until then, uh, I'll think of a better sign-off. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris, and following SJR Pod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.